Hello, and welcome to Self-Sabotaging Sagas, hosted by me, your elevation guide, Jenea Barnes. Hello, friends. All right, so we're going to talk about limiting beliefs, and I'm here with Max, who is totally awesome, is doing really cool stuff. And at the end of this, we'll talk a little bit about what we each have to offer you. And Max, why don't you introduce yourself and tell all the people that don't know you a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you, Janaya. You know, it's funny talking about limiting beliefs and then trying to identify yourself and limiting yourself by putting yourself in a box and trying to identify yourself. (laughs) (laughs) And here we are doing that. Um, But I've been called many, many things and the things that resonate based on what I'm currently doing. I am a mindset and a life coach as well as a sensory deprivation facilitator, a sensory, uh, sensory reboot facilitator. I take clients on a retreat style journey where we dampen the senses and cyclically bring them back over a period of time. And that is what I do. And it's such a joy to be a part of that. Awesome. So when we were talking about your work, my work, and one of the things that comes up a lot in both of our works is people's limiting beliefs. So not everybody knows what a limiting belief is. Do you do you have a definition you like to use, Max? For me, I think it's anything that's going to uh, pull you out of alignment to where your path is really heading. And um, we can do that in many different ways. So I think that it's any way that you might see yourself or others in, in reality that is preventing you from aligning your capacity to create and manifest in this reality. And we do that with our words. Our words are magic. And when we begin to speak our truth and speak out into reality, we start to see how things begin to align for us and we create our own reality in essence. And so if I start to think I'm incapable of a specific target that I'm going after, I'm I'm putting up walls that now I have to climb over. And those, I guess, would be those limiting beliefs. And when we start to remove those walls, and we, we're able to go clearly towards the direction in which we are destined to go. Right. So my favorite story or my favorite example of how powerful belief is, is the story of the four minute mile. Do you know this one, Max? Mm, yeah. 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 So the four minute mile, I used to know all the names, but right now I can't. So you guys are going to have to forgive me and my terrible name memory. But for many, many years, they thought it was impossible to run a four minute mile. And everybody just, that's what they believed. Totally impossible. Can't be done. No four minute mile possible. Nobody even, I mean, people got close, but no cigar. 
They even believed, they even had this thing where they figured out the weather conditions must be like this, the track must be like this, for it to even be the minute, tiniest bit possible. And then one day somebody did it. They ran the four minute mile and it blew everybody's mind. And once people knew that it was possible, then people started doing it. And now at this point, I think it's something like 20 people a year run a four minute mile in a race. And that is literally only because people that ran finally believed it was possible. So when we have these limiting beliefs, these beliefs that hold us back, these beliefs that create, as Max said, these walls, these barriers from what's possible, they shut us down. They limit our possibilities. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's interesting because as you were talking about others starting to realize that they realize well, putting on the realize and seeing they can accomplish anything. And once it's been done, like, like the, the, the way that they would say it is, you know, seeing is believing. And that's because a lot of people needed to see something to believe something. But when you start to gain awareness and insight, when you start to see inside and you can actually see things and feel it more than, more than seeing, feeling it. Cause feeling starts that frequency that then starts to move that momentum into creation. And if we can feel into having something line up, then we start to either see it outside of us lining up or we begin to able uh, to be more capable of visualizing it. And if we can see it, then we, and we believe that we can do it, then it's very much possible. And we just need to take those steps and keep taking those steps. And where those that fall into the space of failure, because failure is not really a thing. It's um, it's not real. No, nope, um, it's fake. There's, o there's only winning and there's learning. And when you start to program yourself and, and or accept and subscribe to the programming that um, that it's not possible then you really limit yourself and so you really have to step into a space where you see that you can learn from every opportunity and from every opportunity there's an opportunity to grow and expand and eventually put yourself in a space where you are winning in life yeah it's i hear the the thing about failure equaling learning and it does but i like to think of it even more in the way of failure is growth. Mm -hmm. It's not just learning, it's growth. So if you learn, you grow. If you are sitting in the fire and it's gross and it's terrible and whatever, you feel all those feelings and that stuff comes up. If you make it through, you totally grow. So I love that we, I mean, culturally, we really need to shift the belief about what <laughs> failure means because it is it's learning it's growth it's you think about somebody who's an inventor how many times did they try to do it before they got it right and what does right, right even mean what <laughs> is, who decides what right means because it works 
okay, so they made something that worked, but they made a whole bunch of other things that they grew from and they got knowledge from. And that's really cool. Absolutely. And, and if we're not learning, we're not growing. So we have to, we have to um, gamble on ourselves. We're worth taking the risk to, to really see ourselves uh, be all that we truly are. Cause really um, it's, it's our, we're afraid of our greatness. And when we get past that, that space of remembering who we are and that we get to be great, then we truly can align ourselves. And whether that's, um, me cap being capable of just taking those steps by myself or finding someone who can assist me. And, and in the way I like to think of it is like, I'm going to be doing all the weight. I'm going to be, I'm going to do all the work, but I'm going to maybe call on a few people when I starting to get to some tough spots and say, Hey, can you spot me? I need a spotter right now. Um, I'm pushing some weight and I would really appreciate some assistance here. So we're all here together. We're all here to work together and no one has to do it alone. This is very true. And I think I've said this on one of my episodes before. People get really hung up on trying to do everything by themselves, but you didn't do anything by yourself, people. The house you're sitting <laughs> in, the office you're working in, somebody built that. They're creating that. So you didn't get to be able to work in your office by yourself because people helped make the office that you're sitting in or, you know. The clothes that you're wearing, you got to show up with clothes on because somebody helped you by making the clothes. <laughs> I mean, we even had to have, you know, the process of a mother and a father to even move us into this experience, to have these totally. bodies to experience this. So like, yeah, everything's <laughs> been handed to us. Totally. Um, what is, I mean, I have a ton of limiting beliefs that have held me back and I'll share them, but do you, what about you, Max? Tell me about some of the limiting beliefs that held you back in the past or that might mm. even still be kind of knocking at your door a little bit sometimes and you've got to check yourself. I think, you know, we're always going to have limiting beliefs. Things will come up and we'll, we'll have to continue to move past it. I was listening to, um, Brendan Bouchard, he was talking about limiting beliefs. And I was listening to something he, he put out about eight years ago. And he talks about how, you know, we, we focus so much on limiting beliefs, but if we really allowed ourselves to realize that we need to, to really be focusing on the great things in our lives, and that's like our, what we focus on, we start to move our energy towards. And so I've come to a point in my life now where that's what the where I'm at. But when I would look back, yeah, there were definitely things that I would have on a loop that would say, you know, you couldn't, you can't be a business owner. Um, you're <laughs> unconventional. You're, you're, um, you know, all of these things that were obviously not true. Um, I think the biggest thing growing up, when I really look at a lot of my my um, childhood limiting beliefs, was I. I was in a space growing up where I didn't think I was intelligent. <laughs> I really didn't. Um, I was My held back in first one. grade and I did first grade twice. And it was because I really didn't want to like, um, I didn't really want to support a educational system where the teacher couldn't come to my level and really work with me on the way that I learned best. And so I completely was turned off with, 
the way the system was working and I decided I would I would take in what I desire desired to take in and the other things I was just not going to focus on and I would just draw all day all day long I would just draw and um, did my own thing and I started to believe maybe I maybe I wasn't capable of learning like everybody else and and maybe I did have like some issues um, with the, my capacity to learn and to grow and um, when we eventually moved halfway through the year they held me back um, and I did first grade again a lot of that started to shift when I had a, a teacher who was capable of really coming to my level and really reminding me that I am intelligent and that I am capable of learning and though I learn differently and uniquely like we all do we are all capable of learning once we find the, the way um, we can become passionate with the topics and subjects that we're being presented with. If we can be pr uh, present with those things being presented to us, then we really have the gift of learning and the opportunity of growth. And so for me, that was probably the major thing um, that I had to tackle really, really early on in my life. Um, beyond that, I think I had some, some physical limitations as far as the way I looked at myself. Like, I grew up and I had red hair, and though I love my red hair now, growing up, it, I, I like stood out like a sore thumb, and <laughs> and I heard a lot of opinions from those around me that that were really traumatic and, and hurtful based on the way they thought red hair looked on me and or on others, and so I dealt with a lot of self-esteem issues, and I. Um, what I learned was that I was capable of shifting my mindset by getting into my body. And so early on in my life, I stopped really listening to the way other people would perceive me. And I started to channel that into different activities. I did a lot of sports growing up. And so I channeled that into that space. And I then started to affirm that the things that I did, did want to believe and that I did believe for myself. And that's what really made a, some massive shifts in my life. And um, now I'm in a space where I look at myself in the mirror and I do love myself and I do love the way I look. Um, but even then, it's not about the way that I look, it's the way that I feel. And the way yeah. that I feel is far more important than the way anything looks out in my reality. If I feel amazing, I will stay in that. I will be grateful and stay in that space. And and that's what I want to cultivate is that space yeah. of loving, loving myself as well as letting that become a beacon for others to love themselves as well as they find themselves within that same frequency. Yeah. It's interesting. My dad also grew up thinking he was not intelligent. And I guess he took an IQ test. And I still don't know what the IQ numbers are because I never took one. But he grew up thinking he was stupid. And he only, I think, recently figured out because he had overheard somebody talking about what his IQ was, but he didn't know what it was when he was little. And so at you know, the ripe age of 70 something, he recently told me that he figured out that he's not stupid, that <laughs> he has gone through his whole life believing that he was not capable. He was not stupid. He was an, he was an artist and he has a sign painting business, 
But I wonder what might have been possible for him had he grew up believing he was intelligent. You know, it's, yeah. it's, yeah. interesting, it's an interesting thing of how that holds us back. We say things to ourselves like, I can't go to college. I'm not very smart. Um, yeah. So it's, I have one of my sort of favorite limiting beliefs that I unwound, which was so crazy. So mine started, of course, when I was little. Well, maybe not, of course, some of them come about when you're older. But this one started when the first stage of it started when I was nine years old. When I was nine years old, I lived in Portland, Oregon, and I was pretty popular for a little kid. I was the teacher's pet too, which popularity and the teacher's pet don't usually go together. But for me, I got validation through school. So I was all about doing everything right at school. But my best friend, Katie, who I loved, introduced me to a new girl that had been at our school for only two weeks. And I looked at her and I didn't realize at the time, but as I go back and replay it slower, all this fear of this girl taking my best friend away from me, taking this love of mine away from me came up. And so I really snottily replied. I looked at her and I said, what? You don't know who I am? <laughs> <laughs> so, so bad, right? And then the next year, of course, I moved to California and I went to a new school and lo and behold, the popular people were not nice to me. So, and I felt very hurt and very upset. And all I could hear in my head was my voice saying, what, you don't know who I am? <laughs> and so I formed this belief I formed this belief inside of me that popular people are mean because I was popular mm. and I was mean and the popular kids at my new school were mean to me. So therefore popularity equals being mean and kindness is one of my core values. So there is a thing with our core values, we tend to never, almost never, want to go against our core values. So even if we're trying to accomplish something, if there's a belief in our head that would make us go against a core value, like mine was kindness, then it's probably going to override anything you're trying to do. So how this belief manifested in my life, it manifested, this is how one little tiny belief can go so deep, you guys. It can manifest and tendril into everything. It can self-sabotage so much. A lot of S's in that. So, so, so. <laughs> so. Okay. So here we go again. <laughs> what that did for me. There was a point in the beginning of high school when the really popular girls said to one of my friends, oh, do you know who of your friends is really pretty? Jenea. And I got really mad. I was like, I don't want to be friends with them. And I got really sort of defensive and kind of upset by it. 
And really what was going on was that unconscious belief that I can't become friends with them. If I become friends with them, I might become popular, which means mm. I might become mean. And then of course we even take it a little deeper. So I never felt like I belonged ever after, well, I did pre nine years old, but after that I didn't. And I always listened to different music. I ate different food than my friends. I always kind of kept myself as an outcast because again, the more you connected, the more friends you have, the more popular you become, the more chance there is of you becoming me. And then we take it another step further. So you can imagine just in that how much that affected my relationships because I never allowed myself to really get close to people because again, more friends, more popularity, become I become mean. And then we go fast forward to the point in my life where I was an artist, I guess I still am an artist. You don't ever really outgrow or <laughs> that identity. Um, and I wanted to be a photographer, change the world, make art, change the world. That was what I wanted to do. And well, what in order to make a living as an artist, what do you have to be? Popular. <laughs> Nope. As hard as I tried, as much as I did, I always couldn't bring myself to do the final big steps that really led me to making something happen in my career. So over and over, I self-sabotaged myself with this one limiting belief that popular people are mean and I never wanted to become mean. So we have a comment over here. Let's see. So is it Kame? 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 I don't know. How would you say Kame. that? Kame. Kame. Kame says, I had a similar belief with having more than you need. It's amazing that you've made it this far. Belief smashed. Abundance is now. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's kind of how I feel. I'm perfectly okay with being popular, you guys. <laughs> So like me, like my page, do all that. <laughs> Max, you nailed Cammy's name. So thank you. Well, you know what's so funny, and it's amazing because you know we, you know every time we choose, because it is a choice. It's a choice what we choose to believe. Even though some of us feel like we don't have a choice, we were raised a certain way, and this is just how it is. We do have a choice, and when you choose to have. A limiting belief you're really flicking down a domino and that domino starts to just create a different structure in your reality but it can be the opposite too you can choose to flick over the domino in the other direction and you can see massive things shift and change um, and plant even just planting a seed like you said it planted a seed and you saw that start to grow um, when I was young after going through all of what I went through, and I was having a bit of an identity awareness. Um, I wasn't in crisis mode, but I was aware that I didn't get the opportunity to name myself. And I'm in third grade, and I'm thinking about this. 
And at the time I was watching Mission Impossible and was just so caught up with the idea that they got to make their own names and they got to make their own agendas and be who they wanted to be in essence. And be, I, I, I mean, they, they were on a team of people that were doing this. And I was like, this is so cool. Um, and in my head, I was like, well, I want to create myself and I wanted to give myself a symbol of my own personal creation. And so I started writing down Max Jones on all of my papers. And you're all probably watching this and thinking, your name is Max Jones. Well, it wasn't back then. <laughs> and I, I came to cultivate the belief that I could be who I wanted to be. I could create who I wanted to be. And it took time for that to come into fruition and, and actually really grow into the space where here I am now as Max and Jones. But when it started out, I just started writing Max Jones on my paper, on my papers. And this happened for about half the year. No one knew that I was writing an alias. And the teacher knew. My parents didn't know, just me and the teacher. And so this continued until eventually someone looked over and noticed. And you can imagine what happened next. We had a wildfire of additional students making their own names and everything <laughs> got hurt. So um, the creation of that, the plug got pulled out and I became embarrassed and ashamed. And I was afraid that I was like, I did something terrible. Like, I'm not allowed to be me. Like, I can't do this. Like, they, they won't ever let me. And, and I always pushed against that. And I was always leaning into that type of an energy, that feeling until eventually um, in my early 20s, I did start to move towards the, the, the direction of changing my name. And then just over two years ago, I legally changed my name. So we, we can make those drastic shifts in our reality. You can be whoever you want to be. You can name yourself whoever you want to be. You can live anywhere you want to be. You can do whatever job you want to do. You can do anything you want. You can manifest as much money as you want to be. You can be as popular as you want to be. It's really what do you want to be and then moving into that. And it's having the grand vision. It's it's stop focusing on the things that you um, you perceive that you can't do and focus on the things that you are great at. And when those areas may come up as you're moving towards your greatness, then just identify them. Say, okay, this is a, this is a, an area that's maybe weak in my structure and my foundation. I'm going to either personally go work on that, or I'm going to hire in a team and we're going to work on that. And over time, that's good. Like we're really trying to cultivate our energy. And a lot of us find ourselves insecure because we don't know our energy. So we're constantly giving it out, like hoping like, you know, validate my energy, validate this. And when we start holding our energy and when we choose to articulate and to speak our truth and to be confident enough to take our time with it, because if you take your time, you will see that you don't have to speak. You do not have to say anything in this reality. You can hold your, your space. And from that space of cultivation, you come to find an awareness, a gap in reality where you start to see that you are creating your reality. And every word that you put out there is planting seeds. And so you really only have the choice of planting two types of seeds, blessings or curses. 
And as soon as you start planting curses as the seeds, it actually, they overrun all of your blessings. So you no longer have blessings. They're just an illusion. So once you start to get into a space where you stop cultivating, stop feeding those curses, those, those beliefs, those um, stories that you've told yourself over time and that you're still holding, you've got dead carcasses that you're dragging, like taking <laughs> into this present moment and you're hiding too. You're like, don't, don't look in my past. Like there's some shit back there. I can't talk about right now. Cause I don't know how to get through this right now. But when you start to realize that you have an opportunity to get past your past and to be present, then you have a future. If you can't get past your past and you're looking back there and it's a curse, then you've cursed your future, at, which is making it so you can't be here. You can't be present. You've got to be um, able to see that life is a blessing. It's yeah. the greatest blessing that has ever existed. And when we start to look back into our past and we see all of the uh, once perceived curses or mistakes or failures or anything like that, and we start to see them as blessings in disguise that we can learn from. Like if you learn the lesson, you get the blessing. So you have to you have to go through life and learn your lessons so that you can start to acquire the blessings that allow you to be present here so you can really give yourself to yourself and others. And from that space, you are limitless. We're all limitless. You're only limited by the, the beliefs that you choose to hold on to. Right. And you speak, um, Cammy actually said, who the F are you? But you answered that so clearly because here we are, we get to choose who we want to be. And sometimes it may take some work to get to be that person. It's one of the things I do with my clients is we form our future selves and get really clear on who we want to be. Because once you get to step into and feel into that, you it becomes less scary for your nervous system to be that, which is sort of an interesting thing. And a lot of people have, when I first asked them to talk about the qualities they want in their future self, they think very small. We tend to, as humans, <laughs> we think so small, but man, we mm. are so big. We have all these stories about who we think we are and, it's it holds us back and we hear all these stories about who other people think other people are one of my one of the big ways you know a limiting belief is you hear somebody say oh men are like this or women are like this or um, <laughs> in, fa in, in families this happens a lot we're not those kind of people so stuff like this, and this is stuff that's coming at us. It's not even necessarily how we feel inside, but it's coming at us from all directions. Oh, Cammy says we are out of this world. Yes. Love that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I lost my train of thought. Oh, I got so out of this world. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we have all this stuff coming at us. And how are we supposed to navigate through? I was talking to somebody recently about this one. And this is a big one. Oh, if you sleep with him on the first date, you won't have a relationship. Oh, so that's, that's, uh. it. that's a big one. I grew up believing and thinking. And when I started having sex on the regular basis, I. 
anytime I slept with somebody right away, I just assumed the relationship was going to not even happen, even if I really, mm. really liked the guy. And so what did I do? What were my ways of being because of that belief? My ways of being, how I showed up? Well, I didn't call because I just assumed they weren't going to call. I was mm. really... I was confused and thought there was some sort of manipulation or maybe they only wanted me for sex when they did call. So that made me weird instead of perceiving like going out on a normal date and having a normal good time. I was just waiting for what when, when were they getting to the part where they only wanted to have sex with me. So these beliefs, I mean, how many relationships did I keep casual when maybe the other guy wanted more, you know, sure. I don't know. Yeah. I have mm. no idea, but this were, this was a box I put myself in and I, I kind of got woken up from that one by this one guy that I dated and slept with right away. And we kind of dated, we had a very weird relationship probably because I showed up weird. <laughs> well, <laughs> other, other things too, other things too, but was he said, well, I think when a girl sleeps with me, she just really likes me. And I was like, whoa, what? That's not what I believe at all. But whoa, could that be true? Could that be possibly true? Sure. Yeah, he may have created that belief. And I mean, everybody has their own unique beliefs. We have shared ones, but we definitely have our own unique ones. Yeah, totally. Totally. Let's see. Joshua says, some of us travel in a straight line and some in a corkscrew line. He's happy to be one traveling in a corkscrew. And I think that comes when we were talking about how we're all just so unique and how we get to all of our stuff is very cool. Yeah. Well, and, and the way I like to think of it, Josh, is that it's a choose your own adventure. So I don't really think it's linear at all. I think we're constantly, I, I feel like I'm uh, balancing multiple versions of myself at the same time, doing all of these different things. Like, and I'm just trying to be in alignment. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking, I, I heard the other day, trying to recall where it came from, but I heard the other day, just when you start to really think deeply about who you are, you existed before you used words. Think about that. Think about who you were before you started using your words. That's a really powerful thought to think. And then from that space, we started to cultivate these, these thoughts and these beliefs, and then we started projecting them as a reflection to see if that's the truth for us. And over time, we start to then create a reality out of that. But we can go back to that space where we existed before our words. And then we can start to reshape our words and start to reshape the story. And from that space, you can go anywhere. Uh, today, you may be here. Tomorrow, you may be on the other side of the world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cammy says that as women, we existed in our grandmother's wombs. And mm. the, for those of you that don't know that, that when... The fetus is being formed in the mom that it still it has its eggs. So a piece of us 
While you are still in your grandmother, a piece of us was in our grandmother carrying that generational. This is part of also why, you know, leading into generational trauma and stuff, but that's a topic for another, that's another rabbit hole that we could talk about for hours. But mm, yeah. it's so powerful to think that as women, we, before we could speak, we existed a generation ago in some way, shape or form. It's really That's cool. really powerful. Thank you for sharing that, Cammie. And, and for sharing that as well, Janae. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's cool. But right? you know what I love is I think that we all have, oh, not all of us. Um, I think there is a spread of the thought that we have to know everything. Uh, and that's such a limiting belief because we have each other for, for the opportunity to learn new things. And we don't have to know everything. Um, I don't have to have every, I don't have to be a master at every tool in my potential toolkit. I can have others that can fill those roles and I can learn their crafts as well. We're all here for each other. And I would, I'm glad I don't know everything, honestly. It's just so freeing to not have that weight to need that. I always thought, you know, you think about if we had a superpower, right? For me, it used to be to be able to stop time, but now I don't think I need that. And then for a long time, I wanted to be immortal because if I was immortal, I could learn all of the things. Like I would, there would be enough time to learn all of the things, right? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was that's been an area I've thought about. I I was um, exploring Taoism for a while, and they talk about a lot of that type of um, type of experience of potentiality of immortalizing yourself, and they talk about it by cultivating your energy. And a lot of us, we are, we're planting seeds, but then we're digging up, them up very quickly. And when really we could just love them and accept them and do our best to shine, shine on down them. And when we really allow, allow those things to grow, then we start to see the, th the fruit of who we truly are. Um, I just lost my train of thought. Where were we? Where, what, was I even, what was I even saying, Janelle? I was getting we're caught up on the comments da coming in. Taoism Say that again. And we're talking oh, about immortal, Taoism and immortality. Yeah, yeah, immortality. And um, so they talk about cultivating our sexual energy so that, and so that we can start to move it up our energy centers so that we can um, realistically um, heal the body and be able to to keep and intact keep our energy intact so that we can reach that state of immortality. And I, I won't go into like detailed work on that because that would also be, you know, another <laughs> another podcast as well. But I have experienced where I've cultivated and worked my energy up my centers and seen how much it impacts us when we start to really intentionalize our energy. And I'm not saying don't ever release your energy. Don't ever like have those exchanges and, and release like there are ways to have exchanges and cultivate as well as there's ways to intentionalize the the movement and release of that energy out into the universe and so it's about being coming aware of of your energy and how you're working with it yeah exactly and of course Kame says plus it's fun 
Absolutely. The and that's why we're here. We're, we're, we're here to have fun. We're absolutely here to have fun. Exactly. <laughs> so I think about beliefs that have held me back. And there have been so many. And we talked about, we touched a little bit on like the men and women beliefs. And what about, did you feel like you were held back with the masculine feminine beliefs that are out there in the world? I felt like I've always had a very strong capacity to communicate with men and women. And so I felt like I've been able to have rather healthy relationships. So I do find that we tend to get hooked and then our energy starts to leak. And so it's then becoming aware of where we're starting to leak energy and creating healthy boundaries around those interactions. And, and I've definitely had many learning opportunities with relationships. Uh, I've had my heart broken to broke break open many, many times. Um, I've been married and divorced twice and have been through my fair share of relationships and um, exploring the, uh, the realms of love. And I think it really came down to finding that the relationship that I was having with others was really a reflection of the relationship I was having with myself. And once I started to realize that, then I started to intentionalizing my interactions. And uh, like over the last two years, I set an intention that I wanted to cultivate really healthy relationships with the divine feminine. And as a result, I've had so many absolute amazing friendships and relationships and connections with women. And it's been really beautiful. It's been really beautiful to be able to connect on, on a healthy level that allows us to really uh, like evolve with each other and to share and to grow and to move that energy in, in a way that is really positive. Um, and I think for me, like finding those healthy boundaries is important because we do live in a time where people are trying to hook our energy and our attention. And so for me, when I'm, when I'm in relation and connecting with others, I ask myself lots of questions and I like to ask, you know, how is this person making my body feel? Mm -hmm. Where the body my knows. body, my, the body knows everything. So when my head gets cloudy, I go into the body, I go into my heart. I, I just go into that space and that's where you'll find me. I'm right here in my heart. Um, but if you're not, if you're going to my summer vacation home, you know, down in my, my sacral, I'm not there all the time. So sorry. Like, <laughs> You're not going to catch me all the time. But if you start to get to know me here, then maybe I'll take you on vacation. You know what I mean? Um, but I see that there are a lot of individuals that are trying to hook each other's energy out of a form of validation. And so when I'm connecting with others, I do ask those questions. You know, what do I feel on my body? Um, where are they? Where am I feeling them in my body in relation with them? And I'll find that there are times when my heart's just really open with someone or like they open up my vision and I'm just seeing massive, big picture ideas or I'm just like feeling really grounded in my body and I want to just go like out and play and just, you know, go for a run or something. Like where are they hitting me? And then when they start to, to hit me like in my sacral, then I'm like, how well did this, this person really know me? And do they get to come into this space like, like this? This is like, come on now. Like, um, you know, and so it's 
directing your energy and being aware of how others are directing their energy as well. And we can navigate through our dimensional realities within the body and, and our, you know, the different energy centers open up different ways to see reality. And so for me, I'm, I'm, when I'm connecting with others, I'm asking those questions and seeing where we are harmonizing with each other. And if there's, there's things that are maybe a little bit muddy and, and those connections that I choose to generally step away from and just say, you know, thank you for teaching me a lesson because there's, there's only lessons and connection as well. So. Right. Well, and it's interesting too. I think a lot of us have been taught and this is, you know, again, these limiting beliefs that come up that, you know, a lot of women are taught that the only way that they can get attention is through, as you say, the sacral connection, that sexual mm -hmm. connection. How do we get attention? How do we connect with somebody? And I did it most of my life. I totally relate. This was how I filled the holes inside of me was by attention from men. And I did it. I was, it was such a part of me. I didn't even realize I was doing it. And it was because of a very deep underlying limiting belief that sexuality is what gets me love. Mm. And so that was super deep. And it took me a long time to unwind it. I didn't draw boundaries that I should have drawn because again, that kind of energy is very boundary less in a lot of ways. So it definitely really stemmed down to this limiting belief that I don't have value without my sexuality. And mm. it's so funny, you know, as I used to be a bartender and I always wore low cut shirts and that's great. I think there's nothing wrong with that. You know, use what you've got. If you got to pay the bills, make it. But it definitely opened up different kinds of interactions. And those of us on Facebook that are women that have any kind of cuteness, we know we're always getting these creepy guys trying to friend request us like, oh, uh, um, even if we're not putting out that vibe. So but it's interesting how since I cleared that limiting belief that I mm. get so much less of that. And as mm -hmm. my self-worth rose, even the cat calls walking down the street totally shifted. It doesn't happen that often anymore in the same way. And I choose to create the belief that it's not because I've gotten older. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Because I think I'm still hot. So I'm not belief I'm going to hang on to you because I think that it doesn't limit me. <laughs> Absolutely not. I, I mean, we're all beautiful no matter where we, we evolved from or to. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. We're kind of getting to the end and we're talking about body and what things feel like in the body. So I think it's a great time for you to tell us a little bit about what you do because what you do dips so deep into the body and I'm super excited about what you're doing. I'm super excited what I'm doing and I'm probably super excited about what a lot of you guys are doing. So feel free to comment, leave us messages, all that stuff. So, tech, so bring us in. Tell us what you tell us what you've got going on. 
I've got a lot going on as far as developments. Um, I'll first just tell a little bit about the practice that I offer. So we did mention just earlier at the beginning that um, I take clients on a retreat style sensory deprivation journey. And generally it's between three and five days. It's all customizable. So it just depends on the individual and the, the best way to really um, delve deep into what your journey would look like would be to reach out to me and schedule a, dis a discovery call and we can go deeper into that. But I'll give you kind of an idea of what that would look like. So if we looked at like a five day journey, day one and day five are integration days. So we're softening into the journey and then we're softening and integrating back out into this journey that we're all on right now. Um, days two through four is where we do the heavy lifting, the sensory deprivation work. So day one, we dampen the hearing with putting in some earplugs and you take a um, voluntary vow of silence or a vow to be observant of silence and communicate intentionally. Everybody's different. So I have different scenarios that show up. And again, you know, the journey is customizable. So I have tools, but you can choose to omit them if you decide. Um, day two, after we've softened yourself into the journey, grounded you, got you all comfortable, then we add some eyewear to, you, to your journey and you would then become blind and you have your hearing dampened and you're not speaking. So you start to really cultivate this deep sense of awareness of yourself. Your thoughts, your emotions start to really come up and you get an opportunity to sit with them over days and getting the opportunity to write out and do some journaling without your eyes or um, pre or post session and really delve into yourself. So we also do in conjunction with that, I do different modalities. I um, do hape medicine, which is a very powerful medicine to unlock the energy centers. It opens the, the third eye as well as uh, unlocks the different energy centers. And from that space, I do chakra alignment and clearing and, and tuning with crystal singing bowls and also incorporate yoga nidra, which is a sleep-based yoga. However, okay. your body goes to rest and you stay conscious. And then from there, we move into breath work. And, so we, and that's about a three or so hour session. And we do that daily and we really move, move a lot of energy up um, and get you to start moving things to be in a space of process and moving them in and out. And um, so that's generally what you'd be looking like in a day, the beginning portion of a day. Um, I take care of all the mills. So you'd be resting quite a bit after that, that session, you, you would have a lot come up and you'll be sitting with that resting will clear a lot and you'll be in a space of really deep, um, peace after moving through that session. After that play, that that point, then um, I do have other modalities I might mix in. I do body work as well, so um, I may incorporate that into a journey or take a client to go do a sensory deprivation float float session. Um, it really is depending on the individual. So those are the first two days. Day three, you regain your hearing, so now you can hear things are starting to come back in. Day four, you get your voice back, but you're still blind. And this is where you get an opportunity to 
do some really deep coaching um, and I'll, I'll, I hold space and we start to process a lot of what you've been experiencing for the last few days in the sensory deprived state. In the very last day, you regain all of your senses and are on a vow of silence to integrate your energy back in. So that's, in essence, the the journey, um, what it looks like um, on a, a bare bones level. But that gives you kind of an idea. So we take you into a space where we start to really deprive those senses, take away the sight, take away the hearing, take away your voice for a period of time, and then you start to re regain them. And as you do, you start to become aware of how you're choosing, yeah. how you're choosing to speak, how you're choosing to think about yourself. I mean, we have thoughts, we're not all of our thoughts, but we can choose to interject the thoughts and imprint and, and put our own thoughts in. And I think a lot of people forget that when the, th the thoughts start coming in, I can say whatever I would like to shift that. So you start to realize that you are really in a space where you can create your own reality and, and then we align a blueprint to assist you in that process. So that's the work that I do. And I also do one-on-one -on -one coaching as well. Um, I am building out a few retreats that are upcoming. So if you're interested in that type of work, they will be group retreats. It'll be the first time ever that we, uh, that I've um, heard of it or anybody else in my that of my awareness. I know there are dark room retreats and there are other type of sensory deprivation type of journey work, but I've never heard of anybody doing the type of work that I'm doing at the moment, which is, so it's really exciting to be able to launch that upcoming. And I have a few other things. Um, I've got some podcasts I'll be on upcoming as well. So um, yeah, it's been, and it's been such a pleasure to be on here and to, to connect with you, Janae. I really enjoyed it and appreciated it so much. That's awesome. That's so much fun. I'm really excited about all the stuff that you're doing. And one of the things I love about what you're doing is similar to what I do is that we custom, both of us customize the program to the individual. So my one-on-one -on -one work is something that's customized specifically to you and your needs. We work with I work with a bunch of different modalities. I get to ebb and flow with whatever actually is gonna be in your best interest, which is super awesome. And I have a self-worth workshop coming up, which is gonna be five weeks. I'm super excited about this. And I think I'm gonna call it Worth Up. <laughs> ah, Worth Up. Mm. So, but if you're interested in any of that stuff, you can reach out to me and um, you can reach out via Facebook. You can reach out through my website and I'll drop a link in the comments to link directly to Max's Facebook and to my scheduling initial conversation. All it takes is just having an in initial conversation to see if it makes sense to dive deeper into a longer, more in-depth complimentary pathway session to see if it makes sense for us to work together. And if you're interested in the self-worth workshop, it's going to be five weeks and really transforming that stuff that you feel within yourself, that stuff that is probably, if I had to say there's one main thing that gets in everybody's way it's that their self-worth is lacking somewhere it's probably i think the biggest form of self-sabotage 
So if you're interested in any of that, reach out to me. Or if you're interested in what Max has to offer, reach out to him. And I'm super excited to hear from you guys. And if you're watching this on the replay, leave comments. We will get back to you. We will answer your questions. We want to hear from you. So anything else you have to add at the tail end of this, Max? I just want to say thank you to everyone who has who have chimed in now and who are now listening if this is a replay. It's been a pleasure to be on, as well as Janae is phenomenal. If you really um, want a next level opportunity, she's so great to work with. We've had an opportunity to have a few conversations offline here, and she's shared with me some amazing things. And so, and I've already uh, been had the pleasure of being able to work with some of those things that she shared with me with a few other clients and seen some massive results. So I would definitely just want to throw that plug out to you, Jenea, because you. you deserve all of the incoming traffic. So thank you. I will receive it. <laughs> all right, you guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of self-sabotaging sagas, and we will see you next time. Bye guys. Bye.